It's Fantasy Fiction Friday! Author D.K. Drake here with you, ready to read the prologue of The Dragon Collector. This is book one of the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga. So what is this book all about? Glad you asked! Happy to tell you! So in this book, 15-year-old Javen believes he is simply an ordinary orphan abandoned by his mother at birth until he is whisked away to another dimension and his destiny as the chosen one from the Collector bloodline is revealed. Armed only with an ancient weapon, a trio of old advisors, and his determination to win, Javen is soon caught up in a dangerous battle for the throne. Now his choices could save, or destroy, the people and dragons of Xandador, including the mother he just met. Hope you enjoy! Here we go! It's Fantasy Fiction Friday! That means it's time for an escape break with author D.K. Drake. This is the part of the show where author D.K. Drake, a.k.a. your host Bonnie Jean Schaefer, reads you a snippet of one of her stories. She's been stuck at the start line of her next novel for years and is on a quest to reconnect with her characters and reignite her creativity so she can get back into writing action. She is thus reading through her novels out loud three chapters at a time. Since she's reading out loud anyway, she's recording her reading sessions and sharing her stories with you. So if you're intrigued by a world where dragons exist and people live for hundreds of years, stay tuned for a show designed for sheer entertainment purposes. Still here? Fantastic. Prepare for adventure, for you are now entering the land of Xandador. Prologue, part one. Rescue the newborn. The 13th day of the Earth month July in the Xandadorian year of 3185. Kenton steered Skylark toward the highest window in the castle tower for the 11th night in a row. This time he saw what he had been hoping to see for over a week, a white cloth hanging from the wooden shutter. Finally! He tapped the dragon's neck and she coasted to a hovering stop outside the open window. I won't be gone long. Kenton stood, found his balance on the slippery scales, and brushed past Ravier. Keep her here and keep her invisible. Omri has eyes everywhere. If we're spotted, that child we're about to rescue has no hope. Ravier turned and glared at Kenton. I still think I should be the one to get the baby. Why? So you can harass Esmeralda about what happened to your son? We'd both end up in the dungeon and the baby would become the king's property. That's what we're trying to avoid. I can be calm. I'm not going to chance it. Stay put. Kenton ignored Ravier's grumbling and spoke to his dragon. Now, Skylark. The dragon wrapped the tip of her long tail around Kenton's waist, picked him up, and lowered him onto the ledge of the window the midwife had left open for him. He stepped onto the window seat and patted the cool gray scales of the dragon's tail. Skylark let go, and Kenton quietly approached the woman on the bed in the small, dimly lit room. Esmeralda's sweet young face glistened with a combination of sweat, joy, exhaustion, and distress. She cuddled a tiny, swaddled figure with a full head of midnight black hair that matched her own and hummed to muffle his cries. Darla, the midwife, did her part to help. She stood by the door imitating Esmeralda's screams. That kept the soldiers stationed on the other side firmly planted in their posts. Kenton had to get out of there before they realized the baby had been born. Esmeralda? He held out his hands and spoke in a whisper. We must move quickly. She scrunched her face, held the baby tighter, and shook her head. Tears flooded her cheeks as she kissed the baby's forehead. I need more time with him. Her barely audible words melted Kenton's heart, but he had a job to do. I will get him to Earth and keep him safe. I will teach him everything I know about you and his father and collecting. No! She snatched Kenton's shirt and jerked. He lurched forward and she spoke again when his face was inches from hers. You will take him to Earth 
and you will make sure he stays safe. But you will not tell him anything about his family, his heritage, or dragons. He needs to know who he is in order to prepare for the Battle of the Throne. Kenton leaned over a bit further in an attempt to get a good look at the baby's face. What color are his eyes? He could be the answer to the prophecy. He isn't. Dartez is. Dartez is gone. He has only been banished. Yeah, to the land of no return. Kenton hated to be so blunt, but he had to help her understand reality. People don't come back from the land of no return. That's why they call it. His dragon will find him. They will find me, and together we will find our son. After Dartes wins the throne. In the meantime, my child must know nothing of this dimension. I have written him a note that explains only the things I want him to know. Well, what if Dartes isn't back to challenge the king during the next battle here? Your son needs to be ready to take on that challenge himself. He will only be fifteen. No child that age could ever be ready for such a challenge, and I will not put him in that impossible situation. A pounding on the door shook the room. Open this door, a male voice ordered. I want to know what's going on in there. There have been some complications. Darla leaned her back against the door and motioned for them to hurry up. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to save the baby. Esmeralda groaned loudly, then put the baby in Kenton's arms. Please, she locked eyes with Kenton. Promise me you'll do as I ask. Against his better judgment, he nodded. I promise. Thank you. She kissed the baby, stuffed the note in the folds of his swaddling blanket, and shoved Kenton. Go. He made it as far as the window before turning around. What's his name? Javen. His name is Javen. Nice. At least the child was named after the first and greatest dragon collector who ever lived. Kenton stepped on the window seat. Javen? Meet Skylark. At the sound of her name, the dragon uncloaked herself. The massive gray creature hovered in front of them and flapped her wings as if to say hello. A second later, she vanished. Trusting she was still there, Kenton leapt. Prologue Part 2 Javen's Seventh Birthday The thirteenth day of the Earth Month July in the Xandadorian year of 3192. Javen clumped into the barn, wearing his brand new boots over his old jeans, stopped in the center, closed his strange eyes, and inhaled. Ah, hay, horse sweat, leather, manure, wood, sawdust. That wonderful mixture of smells is exactly what he slipped away from his own birthday party to enjoy. The day of the horse in the corner stall brought a smile to his face. Don't worry, boy, I'm coming to say hello. He walked over to Storm and rubbed his long nose. I asked Mama Sandra if he could come to my party, but she said it was only for people. The black horse snorted. I know. Silly, right? I didn't even have any people to invite. You're the only real friend I have. Well, you and the dog. He didn't mention that the dog got to come. He didn't want to hurt Storm's feelings. You didn't miss much. The two foster kids Mama Sandra and Papa Tim took in last month came, but that was it. Just the five of us. They didn't even notice when I left. The horse nudged Javen's shoulder. Yeah, I know. You would have noticed. Javen had noticed Storm at a horse auction two years ago. The horse had a wild streak that scared adults but drew Javen to him. He somehow knew how to talk to Storm and seemed to sense what the horse was thinking. When he convinced Storm to let him jump on his back from the top of the fence, the adult folks had freaked out. Storm didn't, though. He stayed calm for the first time ever and let the five-year-old ride him. Storm had belonged to Javen ever since. He grabbed Storm's brush, climbed over the stall door, and began brushing the parts of the horse he could reach. I read my mom's note again today. I wish you would come and get me already. 
I feel forgotten. The note told him how she loved him and missed him and would come for him as soon as she could. That was it. No name, no explanation, no nothing that would tell him who he was or where he came from. How could she just leave him with strangers on a ranch in the middle of Montana? Why did she leave him? When would she be back? What if... Javen bit his lip. Should he think this thought out loud? What if we went to find her? Storm neighed and stomped. Why not? Where's your sense of adventure? Don't you ever get tired of being stuck here day after day with nothing new to do? Storm stomped again, flicked his head and back and flicked his head back and forth and swished his tail. The other three horses in the barn also began twitching and neighing and acting nervous. He put his hand on Storm's side. You're scared. Why are you scared? You horses need to calm down. A female voice coming from somewhere outside the barn made him freeze. I'm not here to hurt you. Keeping the brush in front of him like a weapon, Javen exited the stall and tiptoed toward the barn door. He eased it open and stuck his head out. Who's there? Nothing except grass, and the old dirt road filled the space between the barn and the back porch of the house. But he had a hunch someone or something was watching him. I know I heard something, Javen mumbled to himself and looked to his left. Nothing. I hoped I would find you here. Javen snapped his head to the right. An old guy with white hair, whiskers, and a cowboy hat appeared beside him. Whoa, who are you? Name's not important. I just came to give you a birthday present. He handed him a small square box. Um, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. And he was pretty sure he wasn't supposed to take gifts from strangers either. I get that, but I'm not really a stranger. We've met before. We have? You were a wee little thing, so I don't expect you remember. The man winked and placed the box in Javen's free hand. Open it. Javen studied the brush in his left hand and the box in his right. If he was smart, he would throw the brush at the man's face, drop the box, and run. Only he was too curious to be smart. He had to know what was in the box. He dropped the brush and took the top off the box. Mister, he said, disappointed, it's just a rock in the shape of a triangle. It's much more than that, and it's quite valuable where we come from. You might want to hang on to it. Javen looked down at the rock. How could this be valuable? When the man didn't answer, Javen looked up, looked up and found himself all alone. The stranger had vanished. Prologue, Part 3, Esmeralda's Turn The thirteenth day of the Earth Month July in the Zandadorian year of 4200. Fifteen years! She had been sitting on the same stone window seat and staring out the same window for the last fifteen years, waiting, waiting for her Dartes to come for her, waiting to defeat the Dark King, waiting to see her son again. Happy birthday, my boy, she whispered into the night, wondering if Javen could see the same star she saw despite living in different dimensions. The creak of the door handle, followed by the scraping of the wooden door on the stone floor, snapped her out of her wistful stupor. She dashed to the bed to retrieve the knife hidden under her pillow, but she wasn't fast enough. An icy hand smothered her mouth and the intruder's other arm latched onto her wrist before she could touch the handle. If you want your freedom, the man whispered in her ear, don't fight me. Freedom? Esmeralda froze, not just because the obnoxiously strong bearded man had pinned her in place on her bed. As a slave in the palace of the Dark King, freedom was not a general topic of discussion. Any mention of the word got one whipped, as attributed by the scars on her back. The man spoke again. Can I trust you to stay quiet? Esmeralda studied his hazel eyes. At least she imagined them to be hazel. It was difficult to tell in the dimly lit room in the middle of the night. 
Regardless of their color and despite the lack of light, she could see a sense of urgency in the man's eyes. That she trusted. Under the pressure of his hand on her face, she nodded, yes. Good, he whispered. In a second, I'm going to move my hand, pick you up, and carry you out of here. All you have to do is stay quiet. Deal? She nodded again. He slowly moved his hand away from her mouth. She wanted to ask for some clothes and shoes. Being hoisted around while wearing only her nightgown was not her ideal escape outfit, but the idea of freedom was more enticing than her fashion choices. Besides, her only option was the same drab brown dress every other woman in Xandador was forced to wear day in and day out. So she remained silent. With seemingly no effort, he picked her up and tossed her tiny frame over his right shoulder. Her long, silky black hair swept the floor as he carried her out of the room and down the long hallway to the windy staircase. She was expecting to travel up the stairs. They went down instead. We're going down? She started beating his back with her fists. Why are we going down? The dungeon is not exactly my idea of freedom. Quiet, he hissed. We're not headed to the dungeon. There's nothing else down here. She tried to wiggle off his shoulder, but his grip on her legs was too tight. Down the stairs they went. She was beginning to think she had been captured by some lunatic who liked to carry women around the castle in the middle of the night for fun when they at last exited the dizzying staircase, traveled down a creepy hallway, and entered a huge oval room. The sudden burst of light forced her to cover her pale blue eyes. As the stranger set her on her feet, she began the painful process of blinking to let her eyes adjust to the glowing room. When she could finally see, her eyes were drawn to the brilliant multicolored circle on the floor in the middle of the room. It was surrounded by a similar rainbow-colored three-foot-high wall with all kinds of fancy buttons on top of it. Where are we? Esmeralda asked, wandering toward the wall. She stopped halfway there, turning her attention to the stranger instead. And who are you? Why did you bring me here? What's going on? I don't have time for long explanations. Guards will be here any minute. I can explain my presence here, but not yours. I need you to stop asking questions and listen. Esmeralda crossed her arms, cocked her head, and stared at the stranger. Turns out she was right. He did have hazel eyes. Just like her D'Artez. Actually, a lot about this man reminded her of D'Artez. His hazel eyes, his bushy hair, his wide, solid shoulders, his tan skin, his deep voice. Only this man was much older. You're Vince, she said, summoning every ounce of hatred she'd built up over the last 15 years. You're the family traitor. You're the reason I was brought here. And you're the reason D'Artez was banished. She charged at Vince and pounded the chest of her husband's grandfather. The tears cascaded down her cheeks as she landed blow after blow. Enough! He grabbed her wrists and pushed her away. She kept trying to hit him anyway. She wasn't successful. I did what I had to do back then, just like I'm doing now. This time my loyalty lies with family, not the king. You have to bring Javen home and enter him in the battle for the throne. Esmeralda went limp at the mention of her son's name. No one was supposed to know his name. I can't. He died the night he was born. Vince dropped her wrists and squeezed her shoulders instead. Don't lie to me. I was there that night. I saw my son carry that live baby away on the back of my grandfather's dragon. He saw Ravier fly away with Kenton on Skylark? How was that possible? And why hadn't he informed the king? If Vince really knew about Javen, he wouldn't let her get away with feigning his death at all those years ago. You're mistaken. Esmeralda had been protecting the secret too long to divulge the truth now. Besides, it wasn't time. At fifteen, Javen was still too young. My son is dead. 
Your son is the only hope the people and dragons of Xandador had. I work for the king. I've seen his plans. If no one challenges him and he is allowed to rule for another hundred years, he will wipe out the dragons in their territories and enslave the people in ways you can't even begin to imagine. Only a handful of dragons remain, and he already controls every aspect of every person's life throughout the Great Rift. There's nothing to fear other than more of the same. That's where you're wrong. At least now you can think for yourself. Soon, that won't be an option. What do you mean? I don't have time to explain. He picked her up, carried her to the yellow circle, plopped her down, and backed away. You have to get to Javen. You have to enter him in the battle. And he has to win. He's the one of whom the prophecy speaks. He's not. He can't be. He's too young. I knew he was alive. Vince smiled and started pressing buttons on top of the wall. I'm sending you to Ravier. He knows you are coming and will take you to wherever he is hiding Javen. You have just under six months to find him, train him, and help him collect all four dragon stalkers while uniting the bloodlines. If he fails, we all face a fate worse than death. Wait! Instead of waiting, he pressed one final button, transporting Esmeralda out of the castle. If you enjoyed today's Escape Break episode but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to authordkdrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake Insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga that are available for sale on Amazon. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight.